death. Some say it's unavoidable, but can technology play a role in making it easier for those who love you to remember you? This week on Download This Show, we are diving into the range of apps and services that can help you leave messages and plan out your social media accounts after you die. Also, the saga of the world's, well, one of the world's richest men and Twitter, why it could send them both to court in Delaware in the United States. And stop dancing. Or at least stop doing viral dance challenges on TikTok. Yes, the future is apparently the plot of Footloose. All of that and much more coming up. This is your guide to the week in media, technology and culture. My name is Mark Fidel and welcome to Download This Show. Yes, indeed, it is a brand new episode of Download This Show. Our guest this week, she's a darling of the ABC. That That is a term. I want it noted that she said I should call her. I didn't say should, I said could. That was not That was not the implication. <laughs> you know it wasn't. Uh, you know her from Good Game Spawn Point and the Queens of the Drone Age podcast and a range of other programs across the ABC and other places. Uncle Radio, welcome back. Thank you. It's been far too long. Oh, it has. I've been busy. And she is a social media strategist who has sus opinions on social media. Uh, Meg Coffey, welcome back to Download This Show. Well, hello there. We are going to start with a, um, a news story that when I emailed it to all of you to say, hey, we should talk about this, I just went with the headline, ding dong, Elon gone, question mark. <laughs> I think this is a lot about my headspace at the time. So Elon Musk, Angharad, was supposed to, well, he made a big song and dance, let's just say, about potentially taking over Twitter and uh, what has happened? Well, I mean, he didn't just make a song and dance. He signed documents. He committed to purchasing Twitter for $64 billion Australian dollars. And then you may have heard a little bit about the hoo-ha where he was saying, oh, I think there's too many spam bots on Twitter and I'm not happy with uh, how they're counting those numbers. There's a big question mark for me. And now he's officially saying, I'm pulling out of the deal. I, some reason in my mind, <laughs> he's doing <laughs> all of this through song and dance. <laughs> Something's happened to my brain where everything's a musical. Mark is really on the musical train right now. He has been singing since he walked in the door. So, okay, so Meg, talk me through this, right? So is this over or is this going to drag on into courts? Oh, this is going to drag on and on. I'm just stuck on him, you know, pulling out of something. Um, it's a deal that, yeah, it's it's going to go on and on and on. Look, I think it's, it's a rich boy that wanted a toy and then doesn't want to play with the toy and has moved on to something else. Um, there are legal documents that have been signed, though, and he's not going to get away with it. The chairman of the board has said, look, we're going to take take him to task on this. It's, he has signed the legal documents and and he can't act otherwise. They say it's going to end up in Delaware. So everyone all of a sudden is very interested in the courts of Delaware. I don't know why, but that's where it's going to end up. And I think we're going to be talking about it for a very long time. Whenever somebody says that something's going to go down in a court of a like random U.S. state, I just <laughs> assume favourable tax status or favourable merger status. Like that's that's where my mind instantly goes to, right? Possibly. I don't know anything about the laws of Delaware, but it has been said by most legal experts that, you know, he can't get out of this, that he will be forced to purchase or settle. Um, and people are thinking that Twitter are going to continue pushing him to purchase because he has already been in breach of contract. Um, he was not allowed to say disparaging things against the company or its employees. And he definitely 
clearly has, and Twitter have kind of ignored it, swept it under the rug because they want this deal to go through. Why do they want this deal to go through, though, Meg? Like, uh, it seems like this has been a very awkward arranged dating situation. <laughs> it's a- There's a lot of competing analogies. Like we're, we're like, what, we're four minutes in and I've, I think between the three of us we've got like four analogies going for this event. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to stick to marriage for a second, Meg. It, it's been a weird one at the very least, but why would Twitter want this? Why would they not just want to cut and run at this point? Money, money, money. It's all about the money. Um, See, I'm not I, the only one who's singing and dancing. Come on. <laughs> I can't sing. Don't ever ask me to do that again. Um, look, it's all about money. It's the the share price that, that Elon offered was high. And the board said, you know what? Um, it's our fiduciary responsibility to go, yeah, this is good. And, and they accepted it. Now, there is this $1 billion clause that Elon has if, if he's going to terminate the deal. But the lawyers are saying that we're we're far past that clause. He he looks to be on on the hook for it. The problem is is you know the the shares have tanked since then. Tesla has has gone down as well. Um, it's overvalued, but money, money, money. I love that you said fiduciary responsibility. That's just bringing a level of class that <laughs> clearly is right unknown. Right or incapable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, I just want to go back to something he said when when all this kind of kicked off. Right, he pointed out issues with uh, bots on the Twitter user base, and I guess yes, Elon Musk is one of those characters who, on the one hand is entertaining to talk about. He's said to be and may well be, who knows, one of the richest people, if not the richest person in the world. So so naturally he's going to be the subject of much debate. Plus he tweets and he often tweets things that I would live to regret. <laughs> but I, but I, I do think some of the criticisms that he raised about Twitter and its user base I think they're worthy of discussion. I'm not saying they're right, but I think they're worthy of exploration. Look, they may be worthy of exploration, but I think that's very different to worthy of backing out of a merger or a takeover. Um, Musk has very much talked up Twitter as a platform. He's said that uh, having a public platform that is massively trusted and broadly inclusive is extremely important to the future of civilization. So it's something that he's, you know, said that he's taking very, very seriously. And to then turn around and say, I think there might be more than Twitter's reported 5% spam bots, and therefore I'm entirely pulling out of this takeover. It doesn't seem to me like a proportionate reaction. However, I personally have never tried to buy a $44 billion company. Oh, you should try it. It's the most fun. <laughs> I did it last week. It was the best. I mean, Meg, <sighs> I just want to pick up on something from that quote there, which is trusted. Does anybody actually, has anyone in at least the last five years <laughs> ever thought of Twitter as a trusted platform. You're a social media expert. <laughs> Tell me I'm not, like, I'm not out on a limb with this one. Well, I thought you were going to ask, has anyone trusted social media? And I was like, well, that's where truth comes in, of course. Um, I'm I'm joking. Um, <laughs> Everyone went silent. Went, oh, 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 she's being serious. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah. Do we trust Twitter and social media? I think, I think. Look, our, uh, we don't trust – our trust is probably not at the highest it's been, but I think that there are some sources in some places. I mean, we know that news breaks on Twitter. It's, it's the place that, that people go first. Um, oh, do we trust it? I trust it, but I also probably live in an echo chamber of my choosing. <laughs> I think that people naturally trust it. I think that people – 
um, like to think that they're critical, but often will just go with the first thing that's put in front of them. And, you know, we know that, like you said, uh, news breaks on Twitter and mm. we've had news break real recently, big international news that breaks on Twitter. Um, and while there is obviously some investigation that goes into that, people, I think, do believe the first thing that comes out. Yeah, I, I, I think on a breaking news yeah. standpoint, yeah, you're right. I, I, I totally agree that people do. It's just in that mel- in that like fire hose. There's a lot of other stuff as <laughs> Absolutely. well. Absolutely, but yes. also remember when um, they like it was reported on Twitter that Jeff Goldblum died, and it got reported around the world for like a day and a half before somebody went, wait, he's still alive. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. <laughs> Sorry, just let me just get, let me quickly just knock some wood and make sure that that hasn't come true in the time that we've gone through because it would be a genuine tragedy. Yeah. Aww. Ultimately, Meg, uh, is this going to leave Twitter? Let, let's leave Elon because I think he's going to be fine one way or the other. Let's leave uh, Elon off to the side here. Ultimately, is this going to leave Twitter in a better off shape or a worse off shape as it plays out? The Twitter users don't win, right? The the stockholders might because they might get a payday. But I don't uh, – there is no real win in this. I guess maybe other than Elon not taking it over and, and those of us that use the platform and love the platform being left with it to, to play as we choose. Um, I don't see Elon having it actually being a good thing for the users. I think um, – the changes that he proposes and who he lets, you know, the, the type of speech that he proposes to allow on the platform, we need less of, not more of. Download this show is what you're listening to. It is your guide to the week in media, technology and culture. Mark Fennell is my name. Our guest this week, Angharad Yo from Good Game, Spawn Point and the Queens of the Drone Age podcast. And Meg Coffey is a social media consultant and expert. And Meg, I have a question for you. Ooh, yes. How much would you pay for 23 terabytes of data exciting personal (laughs) data seven dollars you are very cheap (laughs) very cheap because right now 23 terabytes of data thought to be the largest ever sale of data on record is being offered for roughly around 200 thousand US dollars, at least it was until it was removed. And it all relates to um, a security incursion in China, Rad. What happens? Yeah, apparently a hacker got into the Shanghai National Police database and took the personal data of one billion Chinese citizens. So that's things like names and addresses, etc. Um, and that is, I think, the largest sale of personal data that have ever been offered up. That's astonishing. And also the fact that it's police. Yep. Yeah. It's happened previously with 90 million users' data put up, allegedly stolen from the Henan National Police. Okay, I'll give you $15. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So the interesting thing is... um, when the post went up, there was a notice, and obviously you take this with a massive grain of salt. The notice was that um, uh, they were basically said that they weren't necessarily Chinese, they weren't necessarily within uh, operating within Chinese laws. Is there any sense now in the intervening time, Meg, of who actually was responsible? Do we know or does it still remain a mystery? Well, uh- 
There's there's a couple different organizations that have said, um, you know, China, Dan, and things like that. We know that the information is real. They have tested it or, or somehow figured out that, that it is legitimate, real information that is for sale. But actually where it's coming from, um, I don't think they've been able to actually pinpoint. How often does this stuff happen, Rad? Like, I, I, there is a part of me that assumes it happens all the time. There's a part of me that just... Uh, like literally my stomach sinks at the thought of this <laughs> happening to, you know, we're talking about a billion, you know, like millions of people at a minimum. So this happens all the time, but not at this scale. And that's why it's interesting at this point. A billion people all at once, that's kind of unfathomable. And 23 terabytes of data, I think, is more data than I have ever used in my life, possibly. Um, but still only worth $15, according to me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's happening all the time. For example, even like 2021, 80,000 South Australian public servants had their data stolen, which included banking details. Mm. And, you know, we didn't really hear a lot about that, but that's that's kind of to the level that it is, that hundreds of thousands of people will have their data stolen all the time and it's just meh. And in that case, we wouldn't have had to ask Meg for her $15. We could have just like <laughs> logged on and got it. Meg, do you think people generally have a have a sense of just how much of this uh, personal data of, of banking and in this case, police data is being traded online that we're not really aware of? Is, is Are people aware of that, do you think? No clue. I mean, they have no clue. Um, I think that a lot of us, uh, we just, we go about our days oblivious to all of the different data points that we create and then what is actually being done with that information. Um, you know, I, I was thinking recently, I've just gotten the air tags, right? So for my luggage, yay, I can't lose my luggage. But then I realized if I put them on my key, you're tracking me again. Like I'm actively tracking myself and giving this data over. And I don't even think twice about it. And I'm someone that that plays around with social and digital for a living. So I think if you were to ask the average person, they'd have no clue about what's being traded and then the, the, the nefarious things that are being done with it. The good news is, though, that if you close your eyes, you do not see and then you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> the record to reflect that when Meg was talking, Rad put up a hand with his face that says, I have a sage and salient point to make. And that's what she came back with. Rad, have a, yeah, I'm just going to bring you right back on the point. Have the, uh, have the Chinese government spoken about what they're going to do in reaction to this? The, the President Xi Jinping has basically asked public bodies in China to defend information security. That, oh. that has more or less been the response. Um, so they've recognised that it's important, but it feels like a, a bit of a strange um, underreaction in a way. It feels like when a kid, I don't know, pushes another kid down the stairs just going, well, that's not very nice, is it? <laughs> are, there, yeah. are, there, are there lessons, I guess, in, in that reaction that the rest of the world, Meg, should be taking or avoiding, like given Xi Jinping's reaction, should other countries look at that and go, maybe we need to talk about this more or maybe underplaying is the key here to kind of devalue the information. <laughs> yeah, no, we definitely need to be paying more attention. And I think we need better, you know, literacy around all of these things. And, and it starts with the young kids all the way up. I think we need to definitely pay more attention. Look, 
I, I think we're past the point of being able to contain these data leaks and stop it from happening. But we need to have some serious conversations about what does happen when the data is leaked and, and, and ways to prevent yourself from creating all the touch points in the first place. I think part of the problem is that this data is so valuable to the government itself as well. So they're not going to stop collecting it. No. They also want it. And then I think... It can be quite easy to turn a blind eye to what happens to it when it gets leaked um, or when it's accessed by nefarious people. Because <laughs> you're the not- only time anyone ever uses the word nefarious, <laughs> by the way. Like, not, like never in normal conversation would you word the word nefarious unless there's a hack. Let's turn it into slang and just use nephi. <laughs> it's a little bit nephi. <laughs> Sorry, I derailed your... Actually, you, you finally made a salient point. I derailed it. Carry on. Go back, go back to your important point. Um, because it's something that generally will happen in quite small individual cases. One person's, you know, identity gets stolen. One person gets held for ransom um, for cash. But you don't necessarily see a single big event other than the leak itself. And I think that makes it really easy to just go, oh, well, that was a shame, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Agreed. I, I love your cheating being real. <laughs> It's very, like, it's like my Auntie Flo. That's that's how he lives in your mind. It's my voice for all authority figures. It makes them less intimidating. Fair enough. (laughs) Meg, do you think there's lessons that other countries can take from this? Good or bad? Um... Pay, do something, pay attention, um, react when it happens and have data, have good data security. I mean, make sure that you do have the frameworks in place from the beginning that you are protecting the data as much as you can. Um, you know, don't use the password, password one, two, three. What if I put the word princess one, two, three, <laughs> and I put the princess with a capital P and I put an exclamation mark at the end? Because okay, technically that's-, that's considered a strong password. Now I Just know bear all with of me while I quickly passwords. change my passwords. <laughs> <laughs> all right, download this show is what you're listening to. It is your guide to the week in media, technology, and culture. It's also your guide to death. <laughs> when you die, and it is a when, not an if. Well, <laughs> you weren't here for the transhumanist episode last week. They're like, death is death is a figment of your imagination. Upload your soul to a computer. For most of us, death is an inevitability, but your digital life lives on afterwards. Your social media accounts, your bank accounts, all of these things, they go on. So what can you do while you're alive to ensure that things are easier for those who love you? And also you can leave your mark in the world in a permanent digital space. So how do you go about managing your digital afterlife. That is what we are talking about next. So, Rad, I feel like this is the sort of thing that you have thought about. No, actually. Think about it quickly because you're on radio. (laughs) But I did think about it because you asked me to. And, look, honestly, the answer is a lot of boring admin. Uh Uh-huh. It's doing things like... Way to leave with this fun stuff. (laughs) Yeah, look. Hey, there's nothing fun about dying, so why would we think this would be? Uh, So doing things like using a password manager, even if... you Look, you should use one in your day-to-day life, but even if you're not going to, it can be really handy to put some key passwords in there um in the event of your death people will be able to access key accounts and then i thought i thought our passwords were princess we already determined that <laughs> capital p with an exclamation yes. if everyone just uses the same password like everyone then it'll be really easy to, to access these accounts it'll be great um and then doing something like putting the details of that password manager in your will or good old-fashioned pen and paper mm. meg for you there's uh there's obviously the the boring admin stuff which Let's agree. Rad is covered with so much pizzazz. With a plum. But there's also your, there's also 
there's an emotional component to this as well. There's an opportunity, if you think about it and you plan it, to share your last wishes, to pre-plan your funeral and all that stuff is, is doable. And, and I know it's an icky conversation to some degree, but technology can play a role, Meg. Yeah, I mean, you can memorialize your social media accounts so that they stay alive um, after you have passed and your friends and family can visit them. And then there's other apps that you can get that will um, create digital scrapbooks, online repositories for you to put all kinds of things, you know, photos, videos, uh, written text, um, and, and ways to leave your wishes for how you want to be um, I don't want to say remembered because you can't tell people how to remember you, but like, you know, what you want to happen after you go with your things and wishes and, and, and digital presence. I mean, you can certainly tell them, like, you will remember <laughs> me as being six foot tall. As ABC's and, darling. Yes, yeah, ABC's darling. <laughs> I definitely never went over 90 kilos. You remember me in those times. In fact, if you could just remember me in my body from 2014, that would be great. Was that when you had the curly hair? Just oh. after. Mm, mm. Yeah, it was post-curly hair, pre the weight of children. <laughs> <laughs> See, I love the idea of these services because it's basically asking you to make like a graduation slideshow of yourself <laughs> and your entire life and then just wait until you pass and ship it. Yeah. I'm just checking if you can actually play vitamin C's graduation song. I was thinking song. that. <laughs> I'm just that's an option. So there are a few of these services. Uh, I know there's an Australian one called After Me that launched recently and, of course, there's a whole host of them uh, that are available around the world that you can get. This is not a new category. Let's just talk about what you would want, right? Like what would you actually want to use a service like this for? Because, I mean, aside from just like taking every photo you've ever taken at your hottest and then playing <laughs> vitamin C's graduation song or Green Day's Time of Your Life, mm. it's really mm-hmm. up to you. Are there other things that you would like to, to, to use an app for that you could kind of, I guess, plan out your legacy and plan out how, how information passes to your friends, your families, your pets, your kids. I feel like you're a much kinder person than I am, Mark. Because it's literally the first time anyone's ever said that to me. <laughs> I would desperately just want to use it for the memes. I just want to use it for jokes. I want she to died post. doing what she loved. <laughs> So isn't there, um, isn't it Alexa now that can like remember voices <gasps> oh, and yeah. play back in voices? Oh. Yeah. And so like, you you know, you have your dead grandma's voice that you can just listen to. I don't know. It's creepy. It's creepy. Mind you, voice is the thing they say you forget first. So I, I'd be interested in that. But I don't know. This is, it's weird. Actually, that's a to... really good point. Because we, we talked about that on the show a couple of weeks ago. And we all sort of agreed that, uh, you know, teaching... Alexa, your voice, so that one day Granddad could could read you a, could read the grandkids a, a, a bedtime story was, yes, there was an instant ick factor, and then three seconds later we all went, oh yeah, but we would totally use that. Well, you could yeah. just look. I'm a very DIY person. You could do this yourself. <laughs> read out the dictionary, record each word as an individual clip, and then build a database by which you can type these words and then splice them together to say whatever you want. Like there are a range of services that can do this. I feel like if they're going to generate that. Um, why would I DIY that, Brad? Uh, it's more private and also then I can do it how I want and not how uh, the service thinks it should be done. Mm. Meg, like, <laughs> would you... Mm, mm. I'm just going to play future generations of yo's this show on a loop. Um, Meg, what are the sorts of things that you think technology can play a role with in terms of... Uh, I guess also helping the people that love you um, navigate that grief. Like, because there is an argument that 
if you if there is so much of you around, and, and I know this like just to take something basic like um, Facebook, for example. You know, we've had I've had people in our my life who's who passed away, and then Facebook obviously doesn't know that to some degree, and then yeah. it starts pushing pictures of them forward, and that can be. <laughs> It can be really hard. Or, or I suppose you could also view it as a, as a helpful part of the grieving process. It kind of depends how it lands. So are there things that you would like to see technology, Meg, actually play a role that you, you could help those around you? Uh, look, I'll be honest with you. A lot of this gives me the ick factor. It really does. I just, I don't know why. I, I just kind of feel like we don't need technology to help us keep going on this way. Like, I don't know. I... I was looking at these apps and I was reading them and I was like, oh, but what, like, you got to let people move on. You got to let people grieve. And I feel like some of these things, maybe I'm just insensitive and I'm a horrible person, um, but I just kind of feel like some of these things just prolong it and, 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 and prolong the inevitable. And I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we all saw that Black Mirror episode where uh, she got like a dull robot yeah. version of her past husband and uh that was not healthy it was not healthy i think you know i think tech look technology is awesome and it really allows us to do so many things but i think for some things with the human with the human condition we don't need technology like i don't know i just this this whole thing was just it was weird but isn't i guess technology this is getting a bit philosophical but technology is also sort of It's an extension of our desires, our wants, our fears, right? We, you know, apps and services and websites, they become successful because we choose to sign up and we choose to sign up because they serve something deep within the empty husk that is where nominally Mark's soul should live. But Mark, that (laughs) assumes that people do what's good for them, which they simply do not. Correct. Mm. But sometimes people do act out of fear or desperation. Or, okay, we're getting very deep now. But I, but I also feel like, you know, there's a reason why certain pieces of technology take off is because, like, because they're addictive and, and they're addictive because they, they get our psychology. I, I have to believe that there is a psychological reason I waste an hour every day watching oh, TikToks. De- oh, I definitely. Have to they have figured out how to play our brains and they do it very, very well. Um, I just think, you know, I, I'm okay with the, with, with the TikTok dances. I'm just not okay with like a hologram of grandma. Well, I'm glad you brought up TikTok dances before we go today. There is one last story on the program here, download this show. Um, there is a warning <laughs> that has been issued, Meg. Hmm. Um, Dear aspiring dancers, limber up before you attempt a viral challenge on TikTok. Now, just the basics here. TikTok, of course, is the uh, the video sharing platform. It's huge. It's massive. Um, it's become known for, well, certainly the thing that I lose an hour to every day. Um, but dance challenges are massive on TikTok, right, Meg? And there's actually been a warning. Is that right? There has been. Now, if you are like me and one of the most uncoordinated people in the in the land, I highly suggest you do not do these TikTok dances because you will hurt yourself. You will fall down. You will you will strain and and break and and hurt yourself. And there'll be no one to blame but you because you are not a professional dancer. I do love that the um, warning <laughs> rad has literally come from the Royal Academy of Dance in the UK. They are the ones warning you. It has come from the Royal Academy of Dance and the Imperial Society of Teachers of Dancing. They have both yeah. spoken out on this issue. Now, I'm actually quite passionate about this and I want to split it into two categories. First of all, there are the very athletic dance challenges, which involve flipping people and things like that. And then there are also TikTok dances, which I would say are of a much more basic level and people do for enjoyment. 
I should hope that they're only talking about the flipping style challenges because when you see what they say, this whole thing reads to me like just a promotion for going to dance class. I mean, that that was going to be my next thing, right? Thou shalt not attempt flippage. Until you have graduated. I don't know why they sound like characters from Harry Potter. Sorry, Meg. But look, no, no, no. I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to attempt either because I will hurt myself. I mean, the flipping, I will most definitely hurt myself. But I look the wrong direction and I throw my neck out. Like <laughs> uh, That is all we've got time for this week. Probably for the best. I think we can all agree. Uh, Meg Coffey, thanks so much for joining us back on Download This Show. Thank you. And Angha Radio. Darling of the ABC, uh-huh. Queen of the Royal Academy of Dance, <laughs> Emperor of the Imperial Society of yeah. Teachers. Thank you for joining us back on Download This Show. Oh, thank you, Mark. If you enjoyed this program, dear Lord, what's wrong with you? Uh, leave a review <laughs> on whichever podcasting app you happen to peruse. My name is Mark Fennell, and as ever, thanks for listening to another episode of Download This Show.